Welcome back to the Process Podcast. It's now time for a repeat co-host. We've we've the round robin has rounded its way around. I started this, right? I mean, I, I didn't start it, but I was the first, right? You started the Process Podcast. That's yes, correct. I did it by yes. Scott Schaefer. Yes. Take your name off. Uh, yes. In the uh, new uh, regime, you were first. Yeah. Which means you're now fourth. I'm into which it. is boring of me to say, but here we are. I'm into it. Welcome back. Glad to be back. Thanks for being here. We're going to talk wins and losses. Then we're going to get into uh, checking in on the resolution you made last time. I also made a resolution last time you were here. And then uh, you're going to make a plan for between now and the next time you're on the podcast. So what do you got for a a win or a loss from the last couple of weeks of your life? To uh, review, in case anybody is not uh, familiar, and then I'll shut up and let Scott speak. Uh, Scott is a graphic designer and a stand-up comic. Those are at least are the two main things that we're going to talk about with him uh, and his systems uh, for building those careers. I feel like there's always a lot of L's. <laughs> As in life, there's, there's always more L's. And I cannot stop saying L's. Yeah. I, I used to hate it because it sounds like kind of like Gen Z speak, you know, taking L's. But I kind of love it because a lot of them happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll start, yeah, with, with a loss. Basically... And as a freelance graphic designer, one of the many hard things about it is giving people a price. Mm. So I was kind of tapped to do a, a brochure for a company. I'll leave them out just in case they're going to get back to me, which they're not. Um, to do a brochure, to basically just kind of like, you know, it's a simple brochure. It was a be front and back. It was going to be like a, inside of a folder. It was going to be really cool. Just highlighting their business. And they explained everything to me face to face. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be more than I thought. Well, a lot more work. Um, and so I gave them a price and basically was just, I, as I left, I knew, I knew it in myself. I was like, they're not going to call back. And so two days after that, I got a hold of them. I'm like, hey, um, I'd love to start on this if, if your boss said it was okay. They're like, well, he didn't like your price. And so they basically, I, was, I, I just started backpedaling as, <laughs> as, if, as if LeBron's on a fast break coming right at me. I am just. So, okay. So, so tell me the brochure was going to be a one-time thing or yes. this would potentially lead to more work. One-time with flat fee possibility to work more. Okay. Just tell us what you were going to charge them. I was going to charge them $1,500 because okay. it was going to take about 25 to 30 hours to do. Mm. So I thought that was a fair price. Um, I think they thought like, printing costs would be included in there i'm not the printer i'm your designer <laughs> this is not, that's, on, that's on you right so i told them 1500 they didn't like that price mm. so i like i said started backpedaling i said hey how about this i'll cut it, that price in half and if you guys like my work i'll basically let's use this as, a, as an audition so if you like this price you like my work we can work together in the future they kind of liked that idea i thought they were on board with it and i haven't heard back from them in about three weeks how much do you think they wanted to pay 500 bucks Oh, okay. so, uh, but like this, the owner of that company owns other companies. I feel like they always think of themselves as really like businessmen type, you know, mm. wheeling and dealing. Well, you're not dealing with another business. You're dealing with a fucking freelance graphic designer who you tapped. You asked me, I didn't come to you. Right. So it's weird when people come to me and then they don't like what I have to say. Right. But also I never said, Hey, this is set in stone. Obviously it's not set in stone. Cause once you, I heard back from you guys. I, I cut it in half just for possible future work, mm-hmm. trying to be, you know, uh, a little agile with my, with my, uh, with my pricing yet. For some reason, I kind of think I was like punished for it. 
I don't know why. And so pricing, just I just keep taking L's with price. So sometimes, you know, you take all these L's, as I'd like to say, with pricing, right? And then you give someone a price that you think that they will like, but yet it's not what you want to give. And they answer you back immediately. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. I'm like, oh, no, I thought I could have asked for the real price. You know, instead of taking all these like, uh, you know, these experiences from other people who are cheap, mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you pay for bad work, you're going to get bad work. Right. And so I thought that that compromise was going to work. It did not. So here we are. So what do you think is the lesson? I, by the way, this is so annoying, even by my standards of annoying aphorisms. Just this morning, I was writing my little Paul's Pearl rough drafts, and I came up with this one that said, turn your L's from losses into lessons. And I wanted to blow my brains out I like it. right as I, like I wrote it. it. <laughs> but I guess that is my question is like, what is the lesson that you're getting from this? Is it, you'll never make some of these people happy. So you might as well just say the price and, right. and then walk out of the room. Yeah. So I think the lesson is maybe I need to read the room more. Maybe I just need to, instead of going into the meeting with them, fully expecting to get the job, I need to be like, hey, here's a list of things you need to know. Mm. Because not everyone wants to pay the same. Some people want to do an hourly rate. Some people want to do a flat fee. And so uh, maybe I just need to like, yeah, the lesson learned from it is just like have a list of things like, hey, I know you're approaching me for this, mm-hmm. but I, have you looked at my website? Have you seen my portfolio? Do you, or do you just know me? <laughs> that kind of stuff. And how did they come into contact with you? So I knew one of the I think the general manager I knew. So they used to, they did actually like a comedy show there on the t- on their rooftop. It's a really cool place. On their rooftop, she kind of coordinated it. And so I met her through that. She knew I did graphic design. And so, yeah, the, then she kind of just got a hold of me. And then after that meeting, uh, uh, apparently there was other options they had to pursue. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So actually, you know, just to be a dick, I'll probably get a hold of them today. <laughs> just be like, hey, what's up with that brochure? You could say, hey, we were about to out you on the podcast and then <laughs> yeah. I decided not to. So yeah. Isn't that nice of me? <laughs> also, it's a, it, it's not like they can't afford the fifteen hundred, mm. but for some reason, some people think like they're being bamboozled yeah. by a price. And I'm like, I am very cheap. Uh, we we had drinks last night with our buddy Brad, who's also a graphic designer. I heard what he charges. I am so cheap. And so, I, honestly, I should just be like, hey, if you don't like me, go to Brad because Brad will be like, oh yeah, it's two hundred dollars an hour. They're like, what was that now? <laughs> How much? God, is there going to be value in? having such a high price that only a few people can afford you. And so therefore you don't have to fight with these little battles. Yeah. So normally within, you know, I've been freelance for I think five years now, if this is, yeah, if I'm thinking about it, right. The first four years of freelance were actually kind of easy. Mm. <laughs> I always had kind of like a, a main um, cash cow client, right. To where I didn't have to fight these battles to where now the last seven months of this year, um, haven't been the easiest of time because of just like turnover within my clientele. But you know, that's the, I've had good four years. I can handle a bad seven months. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I kind of have to fight those battles until I get, you know, land those other clients like I've been landing before. And so, yeah, if I have those clients to where I don't have to worry about that, I wouldn't fight this battle. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, oh, we don't like your price of 1500. I'm like, well, then you got to go somewhere else. <laughs> but now, now I'm just like, oh, I'll cut it in half. I'll be, I'll be the chump. Uh, that you mm-hmm. want me to be? Yeah, I think it's pricing is such a fascinating topic yeah. to anybody who is running a business or who's out on their own, but which 
is not at all interesting to people who are just on the consumer side. They're right. like, why do well, of course, that's how much. Well, also, there's so many costs. there's so many different avenues of DIY art now. Like mm-hmm. fucking Canva can just eat shit. I'm sorry. This is not a family podcast, I don't think. But it's just like everyone thinks that they can just do it on their own. Yet I can spot a template from a mile of fucking way. Right. And I hate it. But mm-hmm. people don't care right. because it's ultimately not what it's not important to them, which is fine. But don't hit me up first and then go do a DIY project yourself because that, yeah, it's cheaper, but it looks cheap. You should make a hit list on your Instagram of people who have said no to you and then <laughs> gone and designed their own. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I, that's my tagline for, for, for As You Wish Design. It's DIY price mm-hmm. for As You Wish Design, uh, you know, design or quality. Right. And th- that doesn't work. It's pithy. And I mm-hmm. put like DIY price in Comic Sans even. <laughs> or kind of like in a hand-drawn. Right. It wasn't Comic Sans. But it's one of those things where, yeah, there's just too many avenues of people like, well, we don't like that price. So how about we have our fucking, our secretary just design something or her kids in college. They'll do it for $35. Yeah, go ahead and do that. I was. Uh, I'm talking so tough right now. I cut my price in half. <laughs> I'm li- I was listening to. uh the all in podcast, which a lot of people will know. And they did a a snippet of a Steve jobs talk. And I generally don't love the cult of personality around certain founders because I think it gets annoying and a little navel gazy, but he did make a great point about, um, he was talking about technology and how, what you need to do is figure out what people want and then use the technology to give them what they want. Yeah. And then the guys were talking about like, well, why do we like Steve Jobs so much? And one of the reasons was he was so good at figuring out what looked cool, right? First and foremost, right. like the computing power of an Apple versus a, a DOS machine back then, who knows? Right. Like basically the same. But he was able to figure out like, there's so much value in the customer's experience of being attached to this brand. And I think people forget that when they're coming to a graphic designer, right? right? They think it doesn't matter because they can just get away with the product is so good. It won't matter how it's presented to people, but it does matter. Even, even as we're looking out there at that construction company's logo, that's not a terrible logo. At least somebody put some thought into that and that will probably lead to, you know, bigger business along the way. Yeah. It's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, like it's kind of a cop out logo right. because all yeah. i do is put like a, an arrow to the right because that's always progressive because that's what it means arrows to the right go are, are progression and you're moving forward you're not mm-hmm. you're not going backwards all that kind of crap but yeah it's it's it, it just depends on who you're talking to some people have the steve jobs mindset to like we have to look good we have to look better than everyone else and most people are like eh, we're already good enough for what we can do so we don't have to I don't know, kind of have a, a style or a look. Mm-hmm. And I think people have actually gotten been turned off by the word branding mm. because too many f- asshole like athletes and actors use it because, oh, I'm just trying to protect my brand. You don't have a brand. <laughs> but it's, it's just you. Stop that. So like they're using these buzzwords. And I think it just drives people insane almost mm. to where they don't want to admit that a brand strategy is a smart way to go. Yeah, and, I mean, that's a good point because you're right that a, a whole bunch of uh, charlatans have gotten into the space of marketing, design, social media, yeah. and they use those words, throw them around, and, yeah. and it makes them sound like they know what they're talking about. Yeah, even if they honestly, don't. use charlatans with marketing people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you've heard me enough times complain about marketing people. I think you're most of you are clowns. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're good at what you do. And the fact that you kind of are the final say over a designer drives me insane. <laughs> And so, yeah, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, it, it's just watered down. 
Yeah. That's one thing that uh, a friend of mine talks about who has had a bunch of experience in the corporate world and in, in the land of startups would say is that there's like six marketing firms that actually know what they're doing right. and everybody else is just scrambling at yeah. all times. If more marketing firms knew what they're doing, the 95% of commercials wouldn't be as terrible as they are. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all using the same goddamn uh, uh, like recipe. Right. Like, so I used, to, I used to work, I was a uh, designer for a bank in Kansas. I think it was in Kansas. I mm-hmm. cat fed, it doesn't matter. But they have you know, a marketing team uh, based out of Topeka. Then we had the creative team based out of Overland Park. So we had to have a lot, of, a lot of back and forth with them. And they would always come to us asking for ideas for new commercials, right? Mm. We would always pitch them really fun ideas, different ideas. One time, our uh, social media manager, for God's sakes, had a killer idea for a commercial. And we're like, you guys got to use that. That's, that's, no one's done that before. Did they use it? Fuck no. They went back to like banking is, or sorry, life is hard, but banking shouldn't be. I'm like, do you know how many banks do this shit? And of course, at the end of the commercial, there was like this slow-mo of a guy jumping for joy. Mm, like the old Toyota commercial? Oh my God, it was so bad. And I'm like, why are you even asking us for mm. input if you're not going to do what we, what we, like what you, what you asked us to do? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, mar- marketing people are, are, for the most part, not great. And I, Scott Schaefer said that on the, on the, the process podcast. Hot take. God. I wonder if some of that is the phenomenon where I, I have asked people before, why are the scams that you get like via email so bad? Yeah. Like there's a lot of misspelling. Right. Punctuation. And, and, and I, my, my response originally was that's terrifying that they're having so much success, even with this many <laughs> mistakes, right? Wait till they get good. Right. And somebody told me, no, they actually do that on purpose because they, they want to rule out people who are paying attention. They want people who are gullible enough yeah. because they, they're going to have to take them down yeah. several steps to get their money. And so I wonder, do some people think like that in terms of marketing? They're like, we don't actually want to be clever or interesting. Right. It's, it, we would rather just throw this 80 mile an hour fastball right down the middle so. and hope for the best yeah, as it, opposed to trying to be good at it. Yeah. Instead of... St- like I think they're they don't really want to stand out. Mm-hmm. They just they want to stay in the middle. They want to just be like kind of in the lane. But then that, then what's the purpose of budgeting for a marketing department? Right. Like what's so like every time they add a like let's say we did like a um we did a lot of campaigns so like we did like a President's Day campaign because I think they like the bank did like some kind of CD sell or something like that. So they always came to us. They're like, hey, we need campaign ideas. Give us two, and we'll decide which ones you want. I'm like. Aren't you guys supposed to come up with the ideas? Why do I have to come up with two ideas and you hate one of them, but you like the other one? I, I don't think I, and, and so like, I would just, I would, I would harp on this so much that people would tell me to shut the fuck up because ultimately not going to change. Right. It's not going to change. And I don't know how many of those people actually have marketing backgrounds. Mm. Fine. If you go to college for marketing, that's better than just being like one, one guy was a former weatherman. He literally was on fucking TV tracking storms. And now he's in marketing. How does that make any sense? I can't do that. I can't just come in as a fucking comedian and be like, I want to be a graphic designer. Like, all right, saddle up. No, I have to have a portfolio. I have to have proof that I'm good. And I don't think marketing people do. They just want to stay in that little lane because they know that their job is fucking worthless. And if they try and stand out, they may crash and burn. And heaven forbid, they get, uh, you know, recognized for being, like you said, charlatan. Right. We touched a nerve. Okay, so give us a win from the last... 
couple of weeks. This is actually going to be kind of funny because kind of ironic because I just got done complaining about marketing people, mm-hmm. but I hosted. So I've done a lot of MC work before. Mm-hmm. I've done like a fundraiser golf tournament for Willie Wilson. Ooh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at Swope Park, Swope Golf Corp, Golf Park. Uh, so I've, I've emceed stuff. I've emceed like um, kind of I don't know, uh, kind of banquets stuff like that, just where you need someone to get through the night. I have never emceed an award show, and so recently I was lucky enough to be tapped to uh, host the um, American Advertising Awards for Kansas City and Colorado Springs. So basically, I had to spend an entire night around marketing people without telling them how I felt about them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why it all came out just now, yeah. because you've been around them a yeah, bunch. Yeah, 100%. So when, when it comes to the uh, win, was it that you got asked or was it the performance itself? The performance itself, because award shows have a lot of production value to them. So normally, it's just like I have a script. I know what I'm supposed to say. This was we had to give out awards for the gold winners, the silver winners. Um, we kind of had to orchestrate. There was a band. We had a script. You know, me and the band kind of played off each other. Then I just ah. had a riff. Mm-hmm. So I had like a lot of cues to introduce things and people. And it was just like, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it'd just kind of be a walk in a park. And actually, it was like three hours of a lot of heavy lifting. I was on my feet. My dogs were barking by the end of the night. And so, yeah, the fact that I had never done an award show, my brother has hosted an award show. He's like, they're terrible. I'm like, don't tell me that. <laughs> don't tell me that. Um, and so it was a lot of fun, though, because at a certain point, you do get to kind of riff and have a little bit of fun because ultimately, the Addies, as they're known, is the industry's Oscars or mm-hmm. Emmys, however you want it, because it's like it's regional. Um, and so like Kansas, Kansas City's was Kansas and most of Missouri. Um, Colorado Springs was basically all of Colorado and some Wyoming. So it is an important night, but they were it was very festive. And so it was a lot of fun to where like, you know, if, if you're there you obviously submitted. You've obviously worked in the agency for a long time. And luckily, there was only like a few marketing awards. So I didn't have to like really bite my tongue on that. <laughs> so define a marketing award as opposed to more of a design award. Yeah. Or like so what's ultimately, the- it's almost like it's almost like um, best script versus best picture. Right. Mm. So basically, whatever wins like a, the best, let's say, uh, Internet digital commercial win for that. But then also that will probably win for best marketing campaign. Mm. So that was what the award was. It was basically marketing and sales campaign award winner. So a campaign would be like uh, the goddamn emu commercial, oh, whatever. Emu, emu. Yeah. Yeah. The Liberty Mutual. Yes. The campaign is like the theory of we're going to have this emu involved. Right. The There's a segment of just like one particular yes. commercial that might be yeah. nominated in yeah. this context. And so, you know, that, that let's say that digital ad may win the digital ad mm. award. But there's also other stuff that it's done that it didn't win, right. technically. So basically, you know, whatever wins that the most of those awards, then overall all-encompassing, that's a marketing campaign, and that usually wins. And these are mostly agencies? Yes. That so, are, like, up for the awards? Yeah. So I think okay. you can submit as a freelancer. Mm. I'm pretty sure you can. But multi- ultimately, they have the best, the better production value. But well, I guess what I'm driving at is some companies must have in-house Yes. Right. So this Most is like, this is only for agencies. It's not ever for a brand or a company. That not would... really. Okay. So basically, most of those companies, yeah. I mean, like you know, I don't know why Cheerios or Kellogg's just popped in my head. They probably have their own, yeah, in-house stuff. But most of the time, that's what those ad agencies are there for is to be, you know, your madmen type, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, they, they. I think one of the one of the main winners when it comes to companies was like John Deere. John mm-hmm. Deere had a lot of stuff because they used some company in Kansas City. I think it was Barkley. Oh, okay. And then some people can't. 
submit because they're too big. Like VML out of Kansas City does international stuff, so they can't necessarily just because of that they can't do regional awards because they they're really good. Okay, so this was first award show. You did it yep. two weekends in a row. Yep, which two is weekends in a, row. a win in and of itself. Absolutely. Is there? Does it feel like this will lead to other such gigs? I would hope so because everyone had like really kind things to say about uh, my performance, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Because usually, if they say kind things, they mean it, and if they don't say anything, probably wasn't that good. <laughs> right? No, no one's gonna come up to be like that was fucking terrible. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I tell people about like reading my book. If yeah. you like it, tell me. <laughs> if you don't like it. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Please don't say <laughs> I don't anything. need to know. Yeah. Um, also, I just got done busting my ass for three hours. Even if I was terrible, leave right, me alone. Right. Yeah. So, no, um, it would be very, it'd be cool if I, that could turn into a thing because honestly, I feel like comedians are probably the best at this kind of stuff mm-hmm. because I feel like they had an actor the year before and I think that they're very script oriented and so they're not going off the cuff at all. And to where I think like comedians or maybe just personalities who are used to being kind of like, you know, um, in front of people and not afraid to just say what the hell ever mm-hmm. um, are probably the best for those kind of situations. But yeah, it, it'd be cool. Uh, I was just proud that I did an award show for once and it didn't, you know, blow up in my face. And I didn't, I honestly, I have this thing. I'm not the best reader, Paul. And so I didn't, I don't think I fucked up anyone's name. Oh, great. Because like no one knows how to spell my last name because there's a bunch of ways to spell it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just because of that, I don't even want to, write someone's name down wrong i don't even want to pronounce it wrong and so like i had like phonetically wrote written out names that that were just not in my vocabulary unless i read it the right way so yeah no i was just proud i hope it leads to more stuff like that and i think it was just kind of like a you know a personal goal that i didn't know i had Mm. because award show are a lot different than most other kind of like speaking gigs or sorry uh mc gigs and so yeah just kind of happy has that landed in your brain as far as this is real progress compared to a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. Yeah. When I lived out in LA, for some reason, I, I just let comedy be in like the backseat. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't doing it enough and I was kind of making excuses. And so I feel like now I've, I'm back in it. I, like, I, I think the last time I was on here, I mentioned that like when it comes to comedy and getting into comedy works and doing more stuff like this, I kind of had to play the game. Now, this was kind of like a happenstance thing where people asked me to do uh, the award show, but I think it, proves and people now have seen that like oh you're hosting this thing because a lot of people just thought i was submitting because they know me as a graphic designer they're like did oh, you right. win any awards i'm like no but i handed a lot out you know <laughs> and so it just proves that there is a versatility to comedy mm-hmm. and i can i can most of the time i feel like i'm pretty um confident in doing those kind of did they want you in part because you are a graphic designer i don't think so oh, i think okay. that just kind of worked into it so the, the the kansas city asked me first lynn true She's a good friend, but also we used to work together at Gear for Sports in Kansas City. Now she's in the ad agency business. She was on the volunteer board because it's always a volunteer board because it has to be because no one wants to do this shit. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a hassle to put one of these shows together. So she knew me. She knew me as a comedian. She knows me as a graphic designer. She thought it would be a really cool molding, I, I, like a really good fit uh, for me to do it, and then, which was nice. And then Kate Chambers, who asked me to do kind of thought the same thing. So I think it was just the fact that those the right two people were on that board. Otherwise, mm. they wouldn't know who I am. It's not like right. they're like, oh, we're getting like Travis Kelsey to host this thing. No, it's just it's just the fact that the right person was on the board at the right time. Is there video of this? I think so. Like um, that you will be able to put on your website or anything. I or? hope so because okay. I know that they I know they live streamed the Kansas City one, and I think someone <laughs> I think someone live streamed the Colorado Springs one like 
but on their phone on Instagram from one of the tables. So we'll see what comes of that because I would like to kind of have that on my website just so people can see that, hey, it's not all dick jokes all the time. Even though at Kansas City and Colorado Springs, I did mention my penis both times. Well done. Thanks. Two for two. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about last time you were here, you made a couple of resolutions or actually really one resolution. Right. And I joined you in making a resolution. Last, last time you were on the podcast, you talked about a goal of working from 9.30 to 2 on graphic design and then writing jokes or comedy after on a scale from 1 to 10, with 10 being rock solid. How have you managed that? Actually, pretty well. Now, the Give 9 o'clock part might be... Well, you be said 9.30. 9.30. Okay. Because it's more like 10 or 10.30. Okay. Let's be honest. Because right. uh, I... When I wake up, I kind of dick around and maybe I'm a little hungover, you know? So I'd say like from 1030 on to two is usually what I've been doing. Okay. And which, so, so does that mean, I mean, that's interesting, right? Because is the 930 actually just completely unreasonable? It's not completely unreasonable. Sometimes it's, sometimes I do it and sometimes hmm. I'm just like, you know what? I just, let's just chill out. Let's right. do that. Okay. And to where like, you know, I think like 1030 is usually when I'm like, okay, now I have to get to work. Now I have to do this. And when we did the, the first podcast together, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, when I first co-hosted, mm -hmm. I knew I was doing both the Kansas City Addies and the Colorado Addies, but I didn't really have a plan of how I was going to help with the script because they wanted me to rewrite my monologue, go through, make sure the jokes worked and all that kind of stuff, or rewrite jokes and banter with stuff. So basically, I got to use my new 9.30 to 2 window and after that as like, okay, well, now I actually have something to work on. It's not just like, Oh, I wrote down a dumb note in my phone. I actually, mm. I, I'm getting paid for this. So yeah, it was design worked until two. And then from like three on was writing jokes or punching up that script. That, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so it was nice to have something to look forward to right. and actually use that schedule. Because mm -hmm. that always helps too. Normally, if it's just like, okay, I, I wrote jokes yesterday, but I don't know if they're any good because I haven't got to try them yet. Mm -hmm. Do I want to do that again? Or do I need to just work on this joke again? So yeah, it kind of helped that I had something to look forward to with that schedule. Got it. So that it helped. Most of the time, where is the 9.30 to 2 happening? Or so, has it been happening this last six weeks? Where has it been happening? So I do like, I basically like block scheduling it. You know, mm. so like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, coffee shops. Okay. Uh, Tuesday, Thursday, just stay in. Okay. I, I don't need to go every, somewhere every day. Mm -hmm. We've got a little free coffee thing in my place. I don't even like coffee, but it does a trick. Right. You know, <laughs> it definitely works. And so basically, yeah, I've basically been doing two days at home and then three days out in the world. Where I kind of, yeah, sometimes you just need to get the hell out of your apartment. Right. Of course. So is there, speaking of block scheduling, is there any logic or value in saying on certain days I start at 930 and other days I start at 1030? So you have a built-in buffer? Yeah, I've actually tried to keep the, if I'm doing the 930 thing and I know I'm going to do the 930 thing, it's usually like on a Monday mm -hmm. because I'm not usually drunk on a Sunday night. So like, <laughs> it's like I can't sleep past eight anymore. It's right. just my internal clock. Plus, my body hates eight hours of sleep, apparently, because we get about five and a half to six, and then we're just up and we're awake and we're just not happy about it. So yeah, so the 930 usually helps, or it usually happens on like Monday through Wednesday, I'd say. Okay. But then, you know, once Thursday starts hitting. I think that there's value, though, in just committing to that, recognizing yeah. like this is what I'm capable of. Yeah, because on uh, Wednesday nights, I, I usually go to a show. Um, there's one called Uncourt. It's really good. And then usually after that, I go to an open mic and I try out some new material. Mm -hmm. So 
that open mic is huge and there's a lot of people there. So I might not leave there until 1145. Right. So I know that I'm probably not going to make the 930 call because I'll, I'll, I'll still be awake, but I just won't be like ready to actually mm-hmm. start the day. So is there any value going forward in just committing to that? Like, I'm I think so. never going to expect myself, yeah. no matter what happens on Wednesday night, just for your own lack of guilt i guess yeah as i say it's not like i feel bad about it but it's probably just like i'd stop lying to myself yeah (laughs) because yeah i I know who i am paul i think like i was thinking i've been thinking a lot about my own morning schedule Mm -hmm. uh, in that as a kid i always loathed monday mornings maybe more than most kids because i hated school so much (laughs) um so i'm still sort of scarred around sunday so i have learned to not expect myself to wake up at six or six thirty on a monday that i need to ease my way back into the week a little bit so usually i'll get up at seven on a monday Mm -hmm. then tuesday i can actually in some cases get up a little earlier yeah because i didn't have a lot that i had to do on monday night yeah yeah. and then wednesday is kind of dependent on sometimes like we host uh, a writer's night here Mm -hmm. and i might be out a little bit later yeah so therefore wednesday might be a, a touch later in the day but i think for me Getting back to the mentality I had as a basketball player where I understood that my schedule was different and I didn't feel guilty about it. Now I feel this weird sense of guilt because I'm in a little bit more of a business world and I think, oh, I should be getting up at 630. Well, Paul, you were with like members at the process till 1030 last night. Of course, you're not (laughs) going to just pop out of bed. No, I I think that's like, so you played basketball in college and professionally. So I feel like I played college basketball where... I was on a schedule, but it was someone else's schedule, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it is kind of hard for me to like sometimes just like, if someone else tells me what to do, man, I do it. Yeah. <laughs> if I tell myself what to do, I'm like, I don't know shit. You know, I don't have to do this right now. So yeah, it is kind of like tough to be like, to where like, it's not going to be the same every day, but the schedule can be very similar every mm-hmm. single day. Mm-hmm. Just depends on when you want to start it, when you want to do it right. and realize that, yeah, sometimes you're out late the night before and you can't do anything about it. You're not going to get up at 630. And start your day. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Totally. Also, it makes me so happy that you were a valedictorian in high school and you also hated school <laughs> as a C minus student. I, I just love hearing that. The, right. the smart kids hated school too. We, uh, I had a, I just had a very different um, coping mechanism. Mine was, I hate being here, so I will just do all of this work as fast <laughs> and as well as I can, so that people leave me alone right. and I can just go read or whatever. You just sound like such a prisoner. I know. I felt like it, man. I, I really like I used to when my alarm would go off, I would actively look forward to being an old person. Oh, yeah. So that I didn't have to get up at a certain time. I'd be like, when I'm old, I'm going to sleep till nine o'clock every day. Every day. And when I mean old, I was talking about like being 80 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, like yeah. as a 13 year old, I was like, I can't wait to be in a retirement home. Because this it. sucks. Uh, okay. So, so does that, first of all, let me um, nail you down on scale of one to 10. Mm-hmm. How has this gone? An easy eight. An easy eight. Easy okay, eight. Great. So then when it comes to modifications, is it mostly Monday through Wednesday, start time is 930. Thursday through Friday, it's 1030. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Will that help alleviate any sense of I should be doing this differently? I don't think so. I think that or, would be just like kind of fine. Be like, like I said, I'm not lying. But I mean, that's no. what I was going for. With yeah. the, would be that it would be fine. Yes, yeah, it's fine. No, I feel like it's one of those things where, yeah, just I'm done lying to myself that I'm going to do it. Start at nine thirty. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, I made the resolution to you that I would do more afternoons with my phone off. Oh. And and Paul, how have you done with that resolution? I've actually done. I'd say I'm about a seven on that. <laughs> um, I. 
I would be a one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like I have it off for the entire afternoon. No, it's more like um, get home, eat lunch, uh, have a workout, have a shower, and have my phone off at, at that period of time mm-hmm. leading into now whatever the next thing is for the day. Yeah. And that has been pretty successful. I'm, I'm also trying to get back to or trying to orient my day a little bit around. I usually will put at the top of my to-do list for the day these like deep work tasks. Mm-hmm actively putting some of those in the afternoon not just on the list generally right. but like on the page where they're gonna probably get done okay i think i had some fear around doing that because i was like oh man it's gonna be it's so real regimented yeah. <laughs> yeah. um but that's been a little bit helpful knowing that i can't muster as much energy in the afternoon yeah. for focused time but i can muster some yeah uh i've also been mixing up like not always thinking I have to come here or sit in my house, but also working. Like you said, I, my yeah. apartment complex has a little co-working yeah. area going down there, yelling at some asshole who is talking on the phone. <laughs> just unruly behavior. Just uh, unacceptable behavior at all times. Um, <laughs> so, so mixing that up, I'm, I'm really trying never to work in my apartment unless yeah. it's like, I mean, occasionally looking at it, like kind of a treat yeah. almost like, okay, I got to send these couple of emails and I'll allow myself to get on the couch. But I was noticing that I was just spiraling around. Mm-hmm. I could always be checking my email. Yeah. So whenever I work from home, um, I've made it a point to where um, I have like my own work desk, right? Mm-hmm. I actually basically like, I, I have these two big closets and one day the sliding doors. And so, Literally, I didn't need two closets. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I don't need two closets. So I took the doors off of it and I put my table in there with my chair. So basically, I'm not, I'm in my apartment working, which I don't necessarily want to make it like a workspace, but I'm not going out into my living room. I'm not mm-hmm. doing it at my di- di- kitchen table. My TV's not on. So that I've kind of tried to separate, you know, mm-hmm. the lounging area mm-hmm. from actual workspace, which is just my bedroom. Right. It's, it's at least separate from the two places. That's one thing that I, that's why am, I only do two days. Like it's, I'm fascinated by how much guilt people carry around uh, regarding where they work. Right. Thinking I should be able to work in this environment, Mm -hmm. whatever the environment is. I am so hyper aware of just how I feel in certain situations. Yeah. The room we're in now where we're podcasting is also the room where we run a lot of the modules that we're doing with Mm. companies. Right. Yeah. And so because I've spent so much time on my computer at this table behind me with a camera on me, right. I now find that it, it's almost like an electric fence kind of feeling if I were to try to sit down there and send emails. So I've had to go to a different room in the yeah. process headquarters oh. to do any sort of emailing. And at, at first, I'll be like, what is wrong with your brain? Like, <laughs> no. why can't you just suck it up? No. But I think owning that and responding to it in a positive way has a lot yeah. of value. Just noticing, like, that's how I feel in that area. I, I can't help it. I have a is. mental nightmare when it comes to like, because I have like a rotation of coffee shops that I know work. I can go there, not be bothered. Everyone else there is working. It's cool. But then, you know, every once in a while, I get a wild hair up my ass. I'm like, let's try a new place. And I just like right before I walk into that new place, I'm like, really? oh, this is going to go well. Like, <laughs> I just get nervous that like maybe it's just going to be loud. Mm-hmm. Maybe, it's, maybe I'm going to look like an asshole because I'm one of those guys. I have my tablet out. Mm-hmm. I've got my hard drive connected to my, I look like a piece of shit like I, i'm taking up a lot of space right and i own that but like i, I get nervous that like oh my god this doesn't work i'm gonna waste a fucking day mm-hmm. of working because like you know there's just gonna it's not gonna be a place that's good for work and i don't know why i have anxiety about that but i do well because it's it's hard to focus it's like playing an away game yeah right like when you go to the other gym 
and you get into a weird locker room that you're not sure Always a, how the showers yeah. are going to be. And then you get out on the court and you're like, did they sweep this court? I don't know. <laughs> seems like they didn't. <laughs> Guess I'm going to have to sweep it myself. What are these balls? Why are we playing with these slippery ass new balls? <laughs> Same kind of thing, right? Where uh, you want to go through certain rituals. And I think when you are working on your own as a freelancer or any kind of digital nomad, which everybody hates that term by now. Yeah. Um, you don't have the advantage of going to an office where you might have this uh, right. certain pattern that you can lock into. Yeah. So you have to come up with your own and therefore you want to control as many variables as you can. Yeah, actually, I, I remember being a nine to fiver and I remember basically like, what was that like? <laughs> I know, right? You've never had a real job, like a normal job, I should say, like uh, the jobs that no one should want, you know, <laughs> but it's like, I think that the n- nice part about working from home is even if you have a corporate nine to five job, let's say you work from home, you do have the option to go in the office. But then basically, if you go into that office every day, you just basically see it as your prison. It's like school again. Right. You know, you're like, I'm just going to do my work as fast as possible. No one fucking talk to me. I hate this place. So you kind of resent it. I feel like if you had the option to go into work or stay at home or go to a coffee shop, you would probably get more done just because you're not walking into this fucking building of doom where everyone says the same fucking thing all the time. Every, every sitcom is right on. Everyone, no one has anything good to say. Everyone complains about work and that's it. I, yeah. And that's one thing that we talk about a lot or think about a lot with these companies that we're working with is like, what's the environment and why is it like that? Yeah. Right. Uh, we have recently worked with uh, somebody whose office I've seen and it is fluorescent lights and cubicles, yeah. which just amazes me because. Again, I guess it's partially because I have thought so much about where I can focus and yeah. concentrate. And so I then empathize that other people can't under yeah. these weird past beams that was meant to mean that they came from the past. <laughs> it didn't really work. Uh, but like it, it seems pretty clear to me when I walk into one of those situations that my whole body starts to react yeah. in a negative way. Totally. And so therefore, probably everybody else's are. And so I just find it fascinating. It's, it's, it's like a template. You know, yeah, for, a, for a bad office building. Right. It seems so. It just seems so strange because I think you could up your employee satisfaction. And then uh, because of that, their productivity and because of that, their retention yeah. by 75% just by not having cubicles and fluorescent lighting. Yeah. So um, I've kind of harped on this and, and it's I hate telling other people and like corporations how to spend their money. Mm-hmm. But I think what I love about ad agencies is that if you, whenever it doesn't matter which one you walk into, it is so wide open. Mm. It's 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 a creative space. It doesn't like it doesn't have that same bad lighting and the same shitty cubicles that depress you. It is such. It doesn't matter what the department is. Mm-hmm. It could be accounting, but like it looks like it just like the the graphic designer, like the creative director's office does. Right. And so it's very much more welcoming and open to kind of like, hey, we don't want this to be a dungeon of doom. Yeah. And so I feel like most companies, I don't care what you're selling make it kind of seem like they're not in fucking prison. Give them a creative space. Actually, I'll give Capital Federal a huge amount of credit because right before I left, we were in a, we were basically in like a room not much bigger than this, terrible lighting, in cubicles. It, it was awful. But then eventually, I think they started listening to the right people to where like, they basically started remodeling from the top down. Every floor, didn't matter what department was going to be in, was going to look like a lounge. Mm. And everyone was so pumped about that because they're like, yeah, this is just a boring office building. And I feel like there's probably studies that like, depending on what your surroundings, it's probably, you're, you're probably using your time more efficiently. You're getting more shit done. And I didn't get to experience because I left for LA before that, but it was a great idea. 
And I, I know it's a lot of money to redo mm-hmm. everything, but I feel like it's, you can do it like in processes, like in, in stages, because yeah, people don't need to fucking be depressed when they go, because you're paying them. Like yeah. they, might, well, as well, I, they yeah, might as well be a little happy. It's weird that you wouldn't want people to look forward to coming yeah. to your place. Yes. Right. Um, there's a company here in Denver that I've gotten to know called, I think it's called Workplace Resources. The reason I can't remember is because we got to work on that name. It's a little forgettable, but <laughs> yeah, very- they they do this as their job, right? They like yeah. go into offices and yeah. revamp it. And their office in and of itself is a show place or a showpiece yeah. for what they do. Absolutely. And it's so cool. Yeah, they can't have a bad office. Right. You're, <laughs> you're like, why doesn't everybody do this? I think I, I liken it to when I played for the Suns. I remember pretty vividly that the strength coach had no power. Oh, okay. Over the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he couldn't get them to do anything. A lot of that came from. They either show up or they don't. Like yeah, for training. That, and a lot of that came from the coaching staff and the upper management with regard to how they like uh, framed right. the importance of those things. And I remember thinking our payroll at the time. I don't know. It, this was a younger version of the NBA. So I think it was around $45 million. Let's yeah. say the strength coach is making $80,000. Okay. So why didn't they have a strength coach for every player? Oh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. the investment is there's pretty like 12, low. Yeah. 12 to 15, yeah, basically. Right. So you're talking about whatever that would be. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not doing that math. More or less a million dollars. There you go. Right? Uh, for a payroll of $43 million or forty-five, and that that player's job is basically oriented around strength and conditioning. Right. Right? So similarly, I think a lot of people are short-sighted when they might be paying a staff Let's say it's $3 million and it might cost you, it may only cost you $15,000 to like redo the interior design of a room. If you're creative about it, why not make that investment? Because that might mean you keep those people there for five more years or you, or you're able to get like 30% more productivity out of them because they're just excited to be there. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I, I feel like that because that's all they harp about in those stupid staff meetings that we always had to have, like mm. how to be more efficient, how to be because right. like we would actually at Gear for Sports, they would literally keep stats on us. Mm. So basically, um, we just basically there are fuck up stats, right? So you couldn't fu- you had to be above ninety seven percent. So you just basically you could fuck up three percent of the time, like. <laughs> and so eventually you get good at it and you know your stats and all that kind of stuff. And they would also have like. The amount of number of times we spelled university or college wrong, it's a fucking lot, actually. You mean on a shirt? On a shirt. <laughs> because we're pumping out so much stuff, right. people just might miss it. And a lot of people, like, it goes through a lot of people's eyeballs. Mm. So many people check it. Collage of Charleston. Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And so, basically, they, they, but we'd have those meetings, and they'd be like, we got to get more. We got to get better at what you're doing. Slow down. Be more efficient. You know, that, that was, so, if you harp on that right. from production, like, maybe it's not just us. Maybe we're fucking depressed because we get to come in this dimly lit studio all the time and we're working at cubicles and Mm -hmm. we're not we don't feel good because like we get 30 minute lunches Mm -hmm. and i'm not kidding Mm -hmm. 30 minute lunches and basically if you want to win us over you give us a pizza party and for most of that fucking works (laughs) actually there was one time the nit i think it was like 2008 2009 something like that west virginia won the nit Mm -hmm. we made those shirts we called them locker room shirts so we made their locker room shirts and we forgot the i at the end of Virginia. And on ESPN, they're wearing T-shirts that say West Virginia. <laughs> and we were like, who, who did it? Which one of you production people fucked up? And we found out who it was, and they eventually left. But it was like a very huge, huge public mistake. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, if we would have had cool offices, we right. would have spelled West Virginia. Actually, once, 
sometime one person was in a staff meeting and we were talking about that. They're like, well, it couldn't get any worse than that. I'm like, it, we could have missed the S and yeah. could have been wet vagina. <laughs> <laughs> There's many ways. Just sitting there yeah. on ESPN right, for all right. to see. They're all celebrating. There's just not an eye there. <laughs> to wrap up, what's your resolution for your next segment of time between now and when I next see you? So we've got this dialed on yeah. Monday through Wednesday is 930 start. Thursday, Friday is 1030. What's another thing that you would like to do going forward? Well, I think outside of like the schedule that I'm that I'm going to adhere to, I got to be more kind of proactive when it comes to getting new business. Mm, okay. So, so what does that look like? So basically, it looks like me actually going out and glad handing with people, which I fucking hate doing. You're so good <laughs> at it. And I'm so bad at it. Um, so basically, like approaching people in person or via emails or sliding into DMs, it really does not matter because word of mouth is great and it only gets you so far. And like I always say, you can't forecast for word of mouth. So basically, I kind of have to be more proactive to go out and at least at least I'd say like go out three times a week with with specific targeted people in mind and mm. go out there and just be like, um, I think I'd be perfect for you because I'm starting to, you know, go after more nonprofits. Mm. Are you saying just be out in the world in general or you're like, I'm going to go meet this person for drinks or I'm yeah. going to conventions or like, what's the. I think at first I would just basically try and go to these places. So like I've oh. hit up a lot of coffee shops, but obviously I'm at the coffee shops and I meet the right person. I give them my business card. I talk to them. Right. So if I, if I want to approach like a nonprofit, I basically go find my way into like finding the right person to talk to mm. and then basically just go there. Yeah. I've also got a lot of bars that are interested. And so I need to just go there, talk to the general manager instead of talking to one of the bartenders who isn't going to be able to have the final say in this. Got it. I just got to be presentable because anyone can send an email. Anyone can send a DM. I need to be a person who, because like, I, I think a lot of people, when I just email them, they don't know that I, I, I live in Denver. I'm mm. not hitting up national right. businesses. I right. want to help locally, local businesses. So yeah, I feel like me being there face-to-face would help me get more clients. So what's the reasonable goal there? Once a week? I feel like once or twice a week, yeah. Okay. Once, let's just say once a week. Let's, since we're yeah, let's, start with, let's start with once a week. I don't need to put any more pressure on myself. So it's once a week of a kind of like conscious or um, intentional yeah, move. Not necessarily a cold call. I want right. them to be prepared, but I, I do want to kind of have some kind of element of like, hey, I know you probably haven't been thinking about this, but I have. Right. Yeah. I've seen your stuff. Because I hate to say like, you don't want to go to like, hey, your guys' branding and all of your flyers suck. <laughs> right. So you do have to kind of like bounce around that because, right. yeah, but and, yeah, but then, you know, it's just like, I'll, I'll work on the pitch, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I won't go there with that. But yeah, it's just kind of like, I don't know, just, just make sure that they know this is a good idea and a good investment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And well, I'm good at taking no, by the yeah, way. Yeah. But it's like, well, as we talked about it, whenever people are interested, then I give them all the information and then I never hear back from them. Mm. I always, I'm like, please tell me to fuck off. Right. I would love that. Yeah. Just don't leave me out there hanging. I'm going to piggyback on yours because I would say I that I am, haven't been doing as much uh, talking to other people like at coffee shops and just yeah. going ahead and saying, why are you sitting here? You should yeah. be coming to our space to work. Yeah. Right. So getting back to a little of that, maybe figuring out some sort of giveaway. I was talking to a, I was talking to a couple of comedians the other oh. day about who have, uh, who've done this 3,600. Okay. And they were like, I think like the process is kind of like what I'm looking for. I'm like, yeah, you yeah. gotta go in there. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should work out a deal. If you purchase, if you are like on the 3,600, you get a discount on a membership. Well, uh, Elliot's going to be on the show this weekend. Okay. So, uh, he's, he's one of them. Great <laughs> deal. All right. Good work. You'll be back in six weeks okay. to talk about how it's going. I mean, May? The May? I don't know. 
No, Maybe. that tells you. Yeah, whatever. Who knows? I don't know which month it is. Calendars don't make sense. Hey, time is a flat circle. <laughs> Hey friends, Paul here. I really appreciate you listening. The executive producer of the Process podcast is Rich Burner. Music came to us courtesy of Kevin McLeod at incompetech.filmmusic.io. I'll talk to you again soon.